What's up? It's Laura. So, there are no specific trigger warnings for this episode, but just a general reminder this show isn't for kids. Please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. You ain't a whoopin'. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. <laughs> hey any day of the year yeah on it could be any time any day it could be 3 a.m on friday could be tomorrow yeah but uh yeah guess what i moved <laughs> oh, i was gonna say it sounded like you were in yeah a different part of the i'm an east coaster now which means i don't really quite know yet but uh my coffee tastes the same because it's from costco oh Good. Yeah, actually, this is what it means. It means every step I take costs me 75 cents. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Sorry, I'm eating a, like, week-old muffin that's just been sitting in my fridge. It's way crunchier. I'm apologizing to the listeners. Yeah. Everything costs money, just, like, getting places on the metro, which I know you pay money anyway when you, like, use a car, but it's different knowing every time you get on the metro. That's $2, $3. It hits different. Yeah. So... <laughs> Look, I gotta go to the dollar store. This is real. I'm like, I wanna go to the dollar store, but it'll cost $4 to go there and back. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I also technically moved to a different apartment for the month. And Woo! then when we record again in for next month, I'll probably have moved again. Mm-hmm. Damn. So. We're just think, climbing all over the place. Yeah, this summer was just us making moves, not the cool kind, just mostly the expensive and time-consuming and sweaty kind. It was quite sweaty, and it was quite time-consuming, but it's over, and I love my new space. You listeners may hear my AC unit kick on sometimes, because it's very loud, but I refuse to turn off my AC unit for you, so <laughs> get used Sorry, to it. Y'all. You're yeah. not worth it. If you want it to be worth it, you can pay us. So. Yeah, listen, yeah. That was never not an option. Yeah, do I, would I, well, would I rather receive money and sweat or be cool? <laughs> And still, it receives zero money. It depends on how much money. Yeah, I guess. If you were getting $75. For two hours of being a little moist. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I would do that. Oh, this is what we need our writer's assistance for. Yeah, we're my assistance. Please, assistance. Assistance. I'm subbing me. I would snap now, but I uh, have been chewing my nails a lot lately. And they're really down to it. They're nubs. And so touching things hurts. Okay, I was like, I'm sorry, but my nails don't make the snap noise. No, but it... I, I understand you're in pain. Pressure. I'm sorry. I did this to myself. I'm sorry I brought it up. Well, anyway, moving on from your excruciating pain. Um, what did we read this month for this year? What is the, What are we doing here? What is going on? Well, this is Reading Rainbow. It is a podcast where we read books that people had to read in school, and we discuss why we think we had to read them. Yeah, and for this month, we read The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. That's letter S and letter E. Uh, were you familiar with this text before this reading assignment? No, I was not. I had not read this book in school. Gotcha. Were you, like, um, aware of the fact that there was a movie with, like, Patrick Swayze and, like, Rob Lowe and all these big names in it? Rob Lowe? Yeah. <laughs> He's in everything. Yeah, right? And I think like Tom Cruise and stuff. Um, I didn't know that. Oh, wow, I did not know. No, um, I we read it in middle school as like I think it was actually a combination read along and independent read. Like they would read it and then assign some of us some of it to read on our own. So at the time, I didn't think it was that interesting. I was kind of I just didn't really get it. I was yeah. like, this is boring and sad. As we've covered, I didn't like optimistic. Te- I didn't like no. I didn't like pessimistic texts. So this was not my jam. Um, I also just didn't really understand what was going on, and I, but we did watch the movie because I remember them running around and doing flips. Um, I remember that part, but yeah, I didn't really make. Like you watched the movie in class. Yeah. Okay. This is sort of going sneaking into book facts, but not really because this is not my book fact. Uh-huh. But did your do you can you remember did your teacher have any like a conversation with you before you read it? about like some of the content or whatever because this is considered one of the most challenged books okay every I mean, book we okay. read is one of the most i know that's what i'm saying i'm books. like first of all it sounds like america just loves challenging people yeah <laughs> and, and the 
books that we read. But yeah, I um don't remember that. I think I was gonna say I just don't think this really made an impression on me. I just thought it was mm-hmm. like a lukewarm book that we just had to read. Uh, and then I forgot about it, and I forgot the entire plot. Like I don't, I didn't remember <laughs> anything going into this. Um, I also just want to bring up though, I've like every book we have has been challenged a million times, but that's also because they are the books we insist on putting in schools. Like I think what I'm trying to get at is like I think if we took a look at the books that are in school, have been in schools, but were not challenged, I think that would also say a lot about us as a society. As much as the books that we do challenge. Oh yeah. So here's a little known fact about this book that it's like 1% fact, 99% personal story that's kind of adjacently related. So the video game Bully, made in 2006, has two (laughs) factions, the Greasers and the Preppies, or the Preps, and it's based off of this novel. Oh. So that's the 1% fact. The 99% anecdote is when I was a kid, I had a babysitter (laughs) that used to play this game used to play bully and the only thing i remember is in the game you could go- run around and just make out with a bunch of people oh my god so i don't <laughs> know funny. why my babysitter was like you can sit here and watch this but <laughs> that's so weird i've never heard of this video game i think it's fun did, did, did essie hinton get any like credit or anything or just credit and honor i guess just credit and honor knowing that a bunch of juvenile delinquents were playing juvenile delinquents and doing delinquencies yeah, in a video game context. Wow. Interesting. Um, that's a great book fact. Thank and you. a personal anecdote. Yeah. My author fact is that Essie Hinton, well, <clears throat> I learned a lot of things. That she's from Oklahoma, and this book takes place in Oklahoma, which was really not clear to me. But she has a Twitter, and a lot of our authors of these books don't have Twitters because they didn't make it to Twitter. Um, <laughs> they didn't Sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, guys. They can't hang. Um, sorry. But um, she's... The, she's very active on Twitter. Like she is tweet. I didn't count, but she's tweeted a lot in just the last twenty four hours. Um, she tweets a lot about uh, animals being adopted, about like stuff Biden says. Um, also, like retweeting the Outsiders fan art. Uh, Maybe like, we stuff should still tag her in our episode. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should. Oh my gosh, we totally should for posterity. Yeah. Oh my god, she retweeted this thing about Paul McCartney <laughs> and his birthday. Um. <laughs> Like stuff about like she's just living her life, um, super active on Twitter. So I think that is interesting. Um, also, her bio says writer for a long, long time, supernatural fan, horsewoman, wife, mother, friend. And I think that's a great Twitter bio. Yeah. Well, anyway. I'm done cyber stalking this woman. Anyways, right? uh, so now that we know that Essie Hinton is a woman. I'm not gonna lie, I just, I didn't know because I just didn't know. Also, yeah, so the book, The Outsiders, was published in 1967. Honestly, I'm surprised just for the times and just the pattern of, like, books we read that... Right. I feel, like, I'm not mad about it. I am just surprised. So that's about the author, but there's a lot of facts available about the book by reading the Goodreads blurb, which I will do right now. The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton. The Outsiders is about two weeks in the life of a 14-year-old boy. The novel tells the story of pony boy Curtis and his struggles with right and wrong in a society in which he believes that he is an outsider. According to Pony Boy, there are two kinds of people in the world, greasers and socks. Or sock. <laughs> uh, that's, or soch. That's what I meant. Whatever. That looks like socks. All right. You're allowed to say Sure, yeah. Done laughing at me? (laughs) Keep going. Uh, According to Pony Boy, there are two kinds of people in the world. Greasers and socias. Socias? Yeah. A soch, short for social, has money, can get away with just about anything, and has an attitude longer than a limousine. (laughs) A greaser, on the other hand, always lives on the outside and needs to watch his back. Pony Boy is a greaser, and he's always been proud of it even willing to rumble against a gang of socias for the sake of his fellow greasers, until one terrible night when his friend Johnny kills a soch. The murder gets under Ponyboy's skin, causing his bifurcated world to crumble and teaching him that pain feels the same whether a soch or a greaser. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry that I laughed at you. Yeah. 
I feel like it's that scene from Mean Girls where it's like, I'm sorry I laughed at you when you had diarrhea at the Taco Bell, and I'm sorry for telling everyone, and I'm sorry for bringing it up again now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will you forgive me? Uh, no. Anyways, moving on. Laura, tell okay. us a summary. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, our cast of characters is extensive. Thank um, God. These are all boysies. Yeah, I'm glad that mm-hmm. you wrote them down because I did not follow. I yeah. understood this book. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, compared to most other books, I did. I followed the story, but I didn't know any of the characters. No, there's a lot of characters. So there's this little gang of boys that, like, are their family. They love each other. They support each other. They're always there for each other. Um, there are three who are brothers. There's Daryl, who goes by Derry, Soda Pop, who goes by Soda, and Pony Boy. Um, so, <clears throat> God. <laughs> Um, so Derry is the oldest and he's kind of like the leader and he keeps them all in line. Um, besides that, there's Johnny who is 16, but looks a lot younger. So he and Ponyboy are kind of buds. Um, there's Dallas who's also older and who's like killed a man or something. Um, there's, (laughs) (laughs) he's, it's, he's done a lot. Um, there's Tubit, uh, who's kind of the jokester and there's Steve who's sort of the pop's best friend. Um, so they are on the greasers social class. Um, and so they are tend to be poor and looked down upon by the socias, um, the middle class rich people of the town. Um, and they're just always at each other's throats and stuff like that. And they're very used to violence. So we open with like a movie night to get to know the characters. We get to know about the Curtis family backstory. Derry is taking care of his two younger brothers. Um, he's 20 and he could have gone to college on an like athletic scholarship, but he stick, stuck around to care for his brothers since their parents um, are not around or they died. But so that night, because of um, <clears throat> drama, um, Pony Boy, he feels like Derry likes Soda Pop better and hates him. Uh, and he falls a- asleep in a-, a lot, as one does, by accident. So he gets home super late and Derry's worried about where he was. So he like yells at him. Um, Pony Boy runs away. <laughs> um, he grabs Johnny. He's like running away right now. Um, so they end up in this weird park that he says no one likes and no one hangs out in. And yet um, these socials roll up on them and um, attempt to drown Pony Boy is kind of unclear if they were going to like kill him dead. Um, but in defense, Johnny then kills the guy trying to drown Pony Boy, whose name is Bob. Um, Bob. Yes, he stabs him. And he's dead. The other guys run away um, from that scene. And then Johnny and Pony Boy are freaking out and they go to Dallas's help because, again, he's like killed a man or something um dallas is like all right um he gives them a gun and some money and tells them to go hide at a church on top of a mountain <laughs> um and they hide out there they cut off their hair and then dallas comes to get them and he's like yeah i let slip that you're going to texas johnny and pony boy have decided to like turn themselves in so they're about to go back but then the church they were in goes up in flames because they left a freaking cigarette on and there are like children inside the church because of course there are so Johnny and Pony Boy decide to run in and save the kids. Um, and in the process, Pony Boy is like the most okay. He does get injured and like passes out and stuff. Dallas is worse off. He gets injured and I kind of forget how. But Johnny's the worst because like his back is broken. Um, they're not sure if he's going to make it. Um, so due to the murder and everything, the socials and the greasers have been like really at each other's throats and there's going to be a rumble. Um, so they're going to be a big group fight and they have all these rules like no, um, it's, it's like skin on skin or whatever they call it. So there's no weapons allowed. Um, the first one to run is the loser <laughs> and they have a time and a place scheduled. The greasers win this fight and there's it's over in like five minutes. But in that process, like Johnny is dying. So Dallas runs away from the hospital, grabs Pony Boy, rushes him back to the hospital. They're there for Johnny's last moments. He dies. Pony Boy has gotten a concussion, so, and he's also had a fever, so he's like, there's a lot of stuff going on for him. They also have to go in front of a judge because of the murder, and also because of the fact that, like, you know, they're three boys, and, you know, the social services needs to take a look. Like, Pony Boy continues to fight with Derry. They kind of had a moment where they, like, understood each other better, but they still fight. Soda Pop really, like, blows up. He's like, I can't take it when you guys fight. You guys put me in the middle. Um, you can't fight anymore. And they're like, okay, we won't fight anymore. And then Pony Boy starts writing again because he's, you know, a sensitive soul. He writes. Um, and then he writes the first slide of the book as all, you know, yeah. classic. Um, yeah. So that was a lot of facts. There's a lot, a lot of stuff, you know, that I had to leave out. Like the fact that there's this character named Cherry um, who has red hair. And she meets Pony Boy at the very beginning. Um, and they make a connection. And he, like, they understand that they're each human and they have a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. But they also understand they're in different social classes. 
and that things are not going to change. He has this whole relationship with Bob's best friend, Randy. Like, Ponyboy talks to him a lot. <laughs> it's very, like, very, like, a lot happens in a very, very short book. What do you think of that? Uh, uh, I think, okay, we're, uh, we're just getting straight into the summary. Or, yeah, uh, straight yeah. into the unanswered questions part of it. Yeah. But you did a great job, Laura. Thanks, bro. mix unanswered questions and unanswered takeaways no because listen like this there's so much that happens and like it there's so much philosophical questions that yeah like come up a lot of really good discussions and i just like you know i can't put that in the summary <laughs> no you can't like well like, I'm like it's very interesting the last line of the blurb for the goodreads i actually liked which was uh teaching him that pain feels the same whether a social or a greaser i'm like yeah. oh that's kind of true and i'm not trying to mm -hmm. i don't think that it really crosses into the territory or okay, I think a lot of the t for a lot of this, I'm giving the author S. E. Hinton kind of the benefit of the doubt. I don't really know this woman, mm -hmm. but wait, do I want to be saying this if I'm going to be tagging her on Twitter? Whatever, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to. I'm unhinged. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it crosses into the realm, uh, like the territory of like there's only one race, the human race, like peace, love, blah, blah. I think it makes it yeah. really clear that, like, we're dealing with... It's a text about, like, classism. Yeah. From my understanding, it was all these characters were white. I So when this character... So we, we have our main character, Ponyboy, and he is, like, an unreliable narrator, mm -hmm. which makes me think of the book, The Catcher in the Rye, makes me think of The Bell Jar, but... Mm -hmm. um, and so when he talks... When Ponyboy talks about women, he's talking about, like, yeah, greaser women are kind of dirty and nasty. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it to yeah. me, instead of reading, I was like, how dare you? I'm like, this little adolescent boy who doesn't know anything. And then he talks about, and it's like, when he talks about social women, he's like, they're just pretty and they're nice. And they, and you would show your parents to them <laughs> I don't, or something like that. Yeah. But, and I can't exactly say why I don't have a problem with that, but I had a problem mm -hmm. with Catcher in the Rye. I mean, again, Catcher in the Rye was some kid who bought a hooker and was like, why didn't she make me feel happy? There must be something wrong yeah. with her. But that's what I will say. I recognize my bias, but I'm telling you, that's what it is. It's bias, and I have it. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm like, I don't view them as different. I'm like, yep, nope, that's misogynist. <laughs> Whatever. It's yeah. really misogyny. Um, and you're right, it is in character. Um not that like it doesn't belong there, but like, but it still is that no matter what. It's still no there. I don't you know. Yeah, it. it's there. I'm just, I'm like, I don't know. It's there. <laughs> yeah. I have an unanswered question. Um, it's kind of good and straight to it. Did you read anything as queer in this story? Because um, so yeah, it's a pretty much like the main characters is like all male, and they talk a lot about how they are like, and like no romantic or like sensual context. Um, implied, but like they are very like physical. Like they fight a lot. They're constantly like wrestling or like playing around and like horsing around. Um. And, like, that in itself, I don't think it's that you don't have, to, like, that's not read as queer. Um, but I'm talking more about, like, like, Ponyboy and Johnny, they talk a lot about, like, not fitting in. I'm just wondering, like, was that any of that queer-coded for you? I think I could see it as queer-coded. I also could see an argument being made of just, like, the it is just a different side of, like, masculinity. Sure. Especially with the relationship between Johnny pony boy when they're in their church and they're just there and they're caring for each other mm -hmm. and i think johnny is also so like pony boy describes himself as an outsider and all of his friends as an outsider which honestly that's like kind of cringe he's like ed sort of <laughs> like no one understands me i'm just so lonely and you're like all right mm -hmm. um he's 14 though <laughs> didn't we all think that way at 14 yeah it's true and so yeah. and then with johnny i feel like they he kind of establishes that johnny is an outsider to the outsiders as well because he doesn't always fit in like because mm -hmm. he's smaller and it sounded like he's kind of a little more gentler i guess mm -hmm. and so when they're in the church together hiding out they're like they mm -hmm. spend all this time with each other and i think it's just um a more intimate i think it could also be seen as just a more intimate side of like what a relationship between two men looks like that I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's hard to say. Honestly, I sure. don't know if S.E. Hinton was getting at either of yeah. them, but go ahead. She's explicitly said she wasn't. <laughs> okay, there you go. She said they're not gay. Um, 
No, but I, I agree. I think that, like, if you, like, if someone read them as queer, like, that's okay. Um, and I can see a lot of, like, yeah, um, kind of support or, like, in the text for that. Uh, on the other hand, yes, I can also see that it's, like, yeah, they're just, they have complicated and nuanced and, like, rich male friendships. Um, and, like, that's also okay, you know? Mm-hmm. I just just wondering if that's screened anything to you. Kind of like a separate piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an unintended takeaway judgment kind of thing, but when I was reading this, I have been watching a lot of movies lately, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, so this is the movie Goodfellas, and this is the movie West Side Story, because it's about these... So, like, have you seen Goodfellas, or do you know what it's about? No. Goodfellas is about... Uh, and I'm going to butcher this because I know there's a lot of diehard Goodfellow fans out there, but uh, I'm not one of them. I just saw it for the first time. But it's about a guy who wants to get in the mafia, and that's his, been his dream all along. And then by the end of the film, he realizes that being in the mafia isn't all it's cracked up to be or whatever. And so I think um, it really is like The Outsiders is just – or and I'm not, I don't know which one came first, so I'm not saying like – I don't, I don't know if it's Goodfellas is The Outsiders or The Outsiders is Goodfellas. I'm pretty sure it's The Outsiders came first. And then you have, like, West Side Story, which is about, like, these two sides. And there's a big fight. And there's losses on both sides. Which all connects to Romeo and Juliet. So I guess it's everything's just technically William Shakespeare, just like they've always told us in English class. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Can't do anything new, basically. Nope. It's all been yeah. done before. I have another unanswered question. Go ahead. Do you think... Okay, so Steve, the character, he... So, from Ponyboy's perspective, um, like, Steve and Soda Pop, they're, like, best friends. They're the same age. They work together and, um, you know, they're besties and stuff. But he thinks Steve hates him. uh, And he thinks that, like, Steve resents him for being, like, a tag-along, like, younger kid. Um, Even though, like, I think they're 16 and Ponyboy is, like, 14. Um... Maybe 17. I don't know. They're all between the ages of 14 and 20. So they're all pretty close. I understand that that feels different when you are those ages. But yeah, um, I'm just wondering, do you think do you think Ponyboy has an accurate read on Steve? Slash, but also like Steve, like does a lot of says and like gives him a lot of like side eye and petty looks. Do you think that Steve ever relaxes? <laughs> yeah, I think. Mm, I think. No, Ponyboy doesn't have an accurate read because I think Ponyboy is like a pretty unreliable narrator and we yeah. see that throughout the th- because in the beginning he tells us he's like the and this leads into my unanswered question but I'll get to that after. Um, he sees the world in these like rigid rigid uh, kind of like you're either a greaser or you're a soch and that means you can do this or you can't do this mm-hmm. um, and there's all these rules and then he's super surprised when, you know, he, like, is talking to Randy and is like, oh, we're actually having a conversation and not, like, trying to kill each other. So yeah. I think he's just supposed to be the ultimate unreliable narrator. He's also 14, so he is just like, yeah. this person hates me, this person hates me. Which isn't to say that Steve isn't giving him a bunch of side-eye and stuff, but it's mm-hmm. probably just not about Pony Boy. Steve is probably just, like, also thinking, everyone hates me, so I gotta be tough or something like that, you know? Sure. <laughs> Gotcha, yeah. I was I was just wondering, yeah, if you were also skeptical of is this like uh, yeah, I'm skeptical of anything that Pony Boy says. And also what do you think was going on? Like Pony Boy spends uh a good cha- a good part of uh this one chapter talking about like Soda Pop's horse. Um he mentions that like Soda Pop they used to go to this like ranch or horse place and there is this horse called Mickey Mouse and Soda Pop loved him. Like, Mickey Mouse wouldn't listen to anybody except for Soda Pop, and then he was sold one day. Um, <laughs> I guess, what did you draw from that anecdote? What did you draw from that anecdote? Like, they cried, and they were all crying about it. Um, Don't get too attached. You... Okay. We're not meant to have beautiful things in this world. Yeah. Maybe a hint I think of he... jealousy. Interesting, yeah. And then he talked, like, Pony Boy talks about, like, one, I thought that I could save up enough to buy him back for a soda pop. And I was like, that's so sad. Yeah. Um, I was, I think, I think you can draw a lot of, like, deep stuff about the symbolism of the horse, Mickey Mouse. Um, but also, I was like, this is kind of random, but we're spending a lot of time on this. Yeah. Also, what are we doing here? Um, this is an, a question that was unanswered in the text, but that you learn outside of it is that 
um, where is this taking place? Because they never say a town name. They never say a state name. They say Dallas is from New York. They say that they could, it's plausible they could have run away to Texas when they committed the murder. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, I did, like, could you have figured out where, they're, where they are in the book? I don't know, because they, they talk about horses. Yeah, I think for me, um, I didn't really, I think in my head I automatically assumed it was New York because that's, I feel like, right. most of these books. So it didn't even occur to me, like, oh, yeah, and then we went down to Texas. I'm like, okay, so probably not New wow. York. <laughs> wow. I was like, wow, I was skipping a lot of states there. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, like, maybe one of the breadbasket states, but no, they're in Oklahoma. <laughs> What's a breadbasket state? Isn't that, like, South Carolina, North Carolina, and... Like, I'm gonna look this up. I didn't. I don't even know what that means. It's where they grow the most food. Like, yeah, it's where they grow wheat. But apparently, yeah, you know what? The breadbasket states are Kansas and Nebraska. All right. Um, and also, uh, it Iowa. Looks, it just looks like Minnesota the Midwest and the Dakotas. <laughs> Never mind. But, you know, we're technically, we're from the breadbasket of China. Yeah. I could have sworn, like, the Carolinas with the breadbasket. Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Bro. Um, but you know what? I think we learned that when we were learning about, like, the colonies. <laughs> the co- the 13 colonies. Um, so never freaking mind. Um, Wait, did you know that we're from the breadbasket province of China? No. I'm pretty sure that's what Anhui's been, been called. Okay. Uh... Let me check. A lot less, we're going to do a lot of fact-checking right now. Yeah. I remember when we said we were going to add a fact-checking segment, and it's... That, not... uh, we'll do that when we have assistance, okay? Yeah, we'll do that Jeez. when we have our team of assistants. Our assistants and their, and their assistants. Yeah. Oh, well, the, oh, you know what? That's kind of, so, okay, so, breadbasket of a country or of a region in the, is an area of which, because of the richness of the soil and advantageous climate, produces large quantities of wheat or other grain. Rice bowl is a similar term used to refer to Southeast Asia. I'm like, that's racist <laughs> as hell. What the hell? And then the Cal- and California's uh, Salinas Valley is sometimes referred to as America's salad bowl. But I'm like, maybe don't call it the rice bowl, okay? Stop it, Jeez. yeah. Um, okay, I was wrong. Uh, it's Sichuan has historically been known as a province of abundance due to agricultural prowess. Oh, prowess. <laughs> prowess. Prowess. No. The regions Ooh. on the banks of the Yellow River and Yangtze River, southern Jiangsu and Zhejiang provinces ha- have also been known for rice fertility. Right. Uh, I thought the Yellow River was the Yangtze River. <laughs> I know. Well, shit. Um, We're learning we a lot. To- of things that we didn't know before. So yeah, we learned a lot about geography. Um, so it's it, it's Oklahoma. It's been answered, uh, just not in the book. I just wanna. I gotta text my mom and tell her that she lied to me. She definitely told me that I was from <laughs> the breadbasket of China. What the fuck? Oh gosh. Maybe she meant literally. Maybe she meant that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was market. found in a market. <laughs> in that market, they found you like, in the breadbasket. You bread were literally in a basket of bread. <laughs> You had yeah. eaten it all because you were so malnourished. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, my one unanswered question is, how do you bifurcate the world? Because what? <laughs> okay. that's what that's what they say in The Outsiders. It's uh, So Pony Boy looks at, he's like, there are two kinds of people in this world. Wow. So my question is, who are the two kinds of people in your world? His is Socha's. And greasers. Yeah. I really love the way you phrase this question. <laughs> Bifurcation. Um, do I have to do I have to be in one of them? No, you don't. You don't. No, I don't? Okay. Um, gosh. I would say... Uh, I would say it's people... And I am in this category who, like... It's kind of like that article you sent me where everything is bullshit. Oh, yeah. Awful shit. Um, who, like, are aware of that. My favorite article. Yes. Yeah. Who are aware that, like, we... Nothing we say is real. <laughs> um, and, like... And, like, but, like, are able to, like, take things not seriously most of the time while, like, treating, like, with, like, this podcast, like, you know, treating things, like, these books as super serious, but also, like, really being able to laugh at them and, like. Yeah. Um, base, and basically just not, like, not make a mockery of them, but, like, take what we can from them and understand, like, we can leave the rest behind. 
Um, because your friends don't people. dance, and if they don't dance well, they're no friends of mine. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, no. there's that line. <laughs> I love that you bring the music to this podcast, but um, you know it. And then versus people who like don't believe that, who think take themselves very seriously. Yeah. Who like hold on to those things? I don't know what I'm trying to emulate, but basically that people yeah. who think everything's bullshit and people who don't. <laughs> but I don't think that those people are necessarily at each other's throats in terms of like the graces, no, racers no, no. and socials. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. No, no, I'm not. They don't okay. have to be rivals in this situation, yeah. but it is just I see the world in these two. You're either this or you're this. Yeah, exactly. Um, I need to get a snack. <laughs> I'm also hungry. Snack okay. break, first ever. <laughs> Okay, I would probably do, and I think I've said this before. Also, we came back from our snack break, people. Yeah, I was gonna say we are on a snack break. We just went. We've been doing this for eight hours straight, and we decided, you know, yeah. we, we need calories. We <laughs> we won't turn off our AC, but we will record eight hours straight, even though no one else. Is <laughs> yeah. I would say uh, people. There are there are two kinds of people in this world: people who live to eat. And people who eat to live. And I've said this so many times and I've asked people this because yes. I do think that it's true. Mm. And by that, I mean people who live to eat are your foodies and, you know, people who just like, I want to eat good things. And that's uh-huh. what I want to eat. And then you have people who eat to live. And I put myself in the category of that mm-hmm. where I'm just like, it doesn't, obviously I want to like what I'm eating, but sometimes I do be eating like really, really, mm-hmm. really, really nasty yeah. crock pot chicken that I made that mm-hmm. makes me want to vomit, but I'm always, in my head, I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, this is giving you nutrients, you're saving money by not spending money on other food, mm-hmm. and it'll be over soon. Yeah, and then you're, you've are you checked it off the list. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've talked about this, I yeah. am live to eat, and I really shouldn't be, I should be eat to live, because just how hungry I get and how poorly yeah. I feel when I am hungry. Great, we've answered every question we have about this book, I think. Um, unintended takeaways or judgments, I have one. I have so many. I'll just start with mine and my only one. I think maybe people would read this in schools and see the hero's journey and see mm. the difference between external mm. victories versus internal victories. Um, I love it. Because Pony Boy wins externally, like, he wins the plot mm-hmm. of of the outsiders because he doesn't die and his and the greasers win the fight and mm-hmm. all that but he internally he loses because he fails to change he fails to see that his view of the world is so rigid and keeps him from advancing and because mm-hmm. he doesn't change in that way he experiences a loss and he feels very empty and hollow inside so i was like maybe that is why mm. you would that is one lesson you could take away in a school setting yeah i think that um for intended takeaways, I thought I saw a lot. I saw like cycle of violence and like mm-hmm. can, the question of like, can it be changed? Where does it come from? Um, he, I really like. There's this little like part where he's he's asking all of his buddies like, why do you fight? And he's able to really like distill it down into really simple terms for himself. Like Derry's fighting for pride, so does fighting mm-hmm. for fun. Um, Steve's fighting because he hates the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said two bit. He really calls two bit head empty. He says two bit fights for conformity. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and stuff like that. Um, the loss of innocence. I think that's a big thing in these mm-hmm. coming of age stories. Um, yep. The appearances versus reality in the sense of like, they really, um, in order to survive, I think, um, have to put a lot of care into like their appearances and appearing tough. And it's spelled mm-hmm. T-U-F. Well, there's tough, T-O-U-G-H, and t- tough, T-U-F-F. Mm. And I think that the F-F one um, is more cool but also, like, they get more cred if they look that way. I didn't know um, that. Oh! Because it's not specified oh God, in yeah. the audiobook. You're right. Um, yeah, like, and they he very briefly explains it, and it's not in super clear terms. Um, but yeah, so they switch between those depending on what they mean. Um, but so they have to, because he, he cares a lot about his hair and how it's greased mm-hmm. and how it's grown and looks a certain way, because that makes them, like, more intimidating and stuff. It's the not like when they talk about knives and weapons, he says, we don't rarely use it, but you need to look like you're going to use it um, mm. in order to protect yourself. And he's like, and using anything like, you know, breaking a bottle and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like, it's status, but also um, 
being able to like scare off others. Um, found family versus your home family and stuff like that because um, Soda Pop, yeah, says that like, you know, with this gang, like you, you will lie for them. You will do anything for them. Like when they call you run, stuff like that. But Johnny um, in particular, his home life, he really struggles with it because his parents are both alive, but like they don't really care about him. Then they like are abusive in like many different ways. And he really wants like their approval, but like he won't get it. And the other boys see that like they could not replace those parents for him. That is like a very, I think a very realistic take on the aspect of found family. Cause in a lot of media, I think found family does replace your biological family. And people, yeah. and like, that's true. Like that happens for people. I'm not saying invalidating those narratives or experiences, but for some people it won't like, <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a good or bad thing. You're just saying like their roles can switch or mm-hmm. like be shared or whatever, but actually those are two different things and it shouldn't be expected that your found family replaces your real family. Yeah. It was, I was very nuanced. I think it was well done. Um, we talked about masculinity and gender, um, and like toxic masculinity versus like the masculinity these guys have with each other and how like yeah the times where he's like you can't cry in this situation can't cry here like which is tied in with the appearances versus reality finally is kind of like i just wrote connection because um so pony boy and cherry they have this really interesting conversation where like conversation and relationship where people on both sides like the greases and the socials they both have problems they both experience pain as you said in the blurb and they can do horrible things to each other um, but they still both like a big thing they uh, motif they have is that they can still both enjoy the sunsets. Um, right. And the, again, I think this is like a realistic, interesting choice is that like their relationship, it's not like triumphing over everything else. It's not like, oh, and now everybody's at peace because these two understand each other. It's like not enough, <laughs> you know, to change the way things are. And no, it's unintended takeaways. Mm-hmm. We talked, we've already touched on this, like there's misogyny. Um, in the way that he talks about women and like that's just it also just mm-hmm. in the choice of like how you know women are not really part of the story you could say um and this i'm not saying this is my takeaway but like you could say it's a bad thing that he smokes all the time <laughs> sure i could see that being a reason for the challenge i'm like yeah that's fair if and again this is very hypothetical like i don't really think this is an issue but if one were worried about the violence in this book i think they might argue that it's hard to tell the difference because like the friends are so like not violent but very physical and like you know, they fight and, like, throw each other, throw things at each other and, like, yeah. that stuff versus the fight in the rubble. Um, and also, like, this is the unintended takeaway that I got as a kid is the hopelessness of it all is that it's just a sad ending. And, like, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, it could be hard for someone like myself to grasp all of the social themes going on in this book. Maybe there's hope because they all, you know, can watch the sunrise together. But mm-hmm. ultimately, you're like, but we're broken and that's it. Yeah. Um, actually, this is a judgment, so do you have any other takeaways? No, I'm, I'm done. Judge away. Okay, I will. Um, the judgments I have, um, is that, well, overall, I enjoyed this book a lot, like, a lot more than I thought it would. Um, based Thanks. on my <laughs> memories of it in middle school, um, I didn't have high expectations, but it was very good, and I cried at the end of it in a, I was exploring the city, and I was in a new coffee shop, and I was crying in that coffee shop because of the ending. I just, you know, I love found family trope, like, how much they mean yeah. to each other, and how much they are looking out for each other, and how Ponyboy says, like, yeah, when one of us calls, like, the other ones are gonna come running. I also want to point out that I thought the fight scene with the rumble particularly was, um, well written in terms of action like I could follow because like it's this straight paragraph is like this guy kicked me in the head and then they rolled down and then Dallas jumped on him and then I like kicked his feet off from under him and then blah 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 but I followed it and that's saying something because I think in a, like I can name a lot of books where the fight scenes are not clear like I don't know what's happening um I think there are too many people in this book I'm not saying I want to cut any of them but I was like there are too many people I can't remember what your what yeah. all your deals are um and I think that you could have spent more time with Johnny and Ponyboy, I think that is just a little bit of, like, telling and not showing is that Ponyboy mentions they get along well and they, like, hang out a lot. But, like, we don't really get that. Because the first scene of the book is, like, Ponyboy's on his way home, I think, from his school. And then these guys, like, jump him and then pull out a knife on him. And then he starts screaming and then all the guys show up. And that's your introduction to them. (laughs) I also, I think it's just funny, the idea of, like, all, everybody being within yelling distance at all times. Like, if I yelled for you, I would just be like... You would just be yelling, and I would never know. You would never hear me. You know what no. I mean? Like, <laughs> it's true. As a teen, I might think it's so cringe, but, I, like, I'm just saying where I'm at now. I thought they were interesting, and I thought 
um, it wasn't, well, I don't think it was too much, you know? I, yeah, I didn't think it was cringe because I think because it's all talked about through the lens of Ponyboy. And, okay, so when Johnny dies, I think Ponyboy's like, we won the fight. Right. Come on, aren't you excited? And then Johnny's like, shut the fuck up, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. And he says. He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's just like, actually, you're dumb. You need to, like, <laughs> which is a slap in the face. And then. We don't talk about, like, the end half of it. Yeah, he has a concussion, and then he... Ponyboy has a concussion from the fight. Yeah. And he's just like, no, Johnny's all right. He's just at home, or something like that. We just haven't yeah. seen him in a while. And he takes it pretty hard, because he just is deny, deny, deny. Yes, no, okay, his recovery is so, like, sad. Um, look, also, because, Ryder, he was in that fire. He, like, passed out. He went to the hospital. He had a touching moment with um, where he, like, hugged Derry and, like, accepted, yeah. like, oh, Derry does care about me. But um, then he had a, a favor before, the day before the rumble. Um, mm-hmm. And two bit new, but he promised not to tell. And then, yeah, he got the concussion. Um, so there's all, also, he just, he smokes, like, a pack a day as a 14-year-old. Because yeah. I forgot to mention in the summary, Dallas dies. Because after Johnny dies, he kind of, like, he robs a store. And he's running and... Ponyboy's like, he wants to die. Um, so he gets shot down by the police. Um, and that's when Ponyboy passes out. And then for like five days straight, he's delirious and screaming. He doesn't want bologna because yeah. he could only, the only thing they had to eat in the church was bologna <laughs> with and, Johnny. And so that was a big like reminder of him. Yeah. Well, and then he goes back to school and then he can't write so good. So then he sits down to write an essay. Yeah. For a class. composition. And that essay is... The first sentence of the book. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, which I have to say, I hate that trope. But you know what? Yeah. It's a trope for a reason. Well, let's just move straight into readings then. Uh, for me, 7 out of 10. I was entertained the entire yeah. way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to decide. I think I'm going to go for um, 9 out of 10. Oh my gosh, a yeah. 9 out of 10. Yeah, I think I think that, like I said, some things needed more room to breathe. Like, some relationships needed a bit more fleshing out. But overall, I think, yeah, it was... I just... And a lot of that is surprise factor. Like, not expecting to like it as much as I thought I did. So there we go. Uh, what would you... What would you... Do you have your book recommendation? You go first. Maybe I'll have something by the end. Okay. I don't really like, this is very tangentially related, but I'm going to recommend No Promises in the Wind by Irene Hunt. Um, It's a Great Depression book. And it's about like two brothers who I think, I don't know if they run away if they're orphans, but they have to like just struggle and live in the Great Depression. And one of them gets sick and almost dies, but it does have a happy ending. Um, So if you're not into that, don't read it. Um, but I read that in freshman year of high school. There you go. Remember recommendation. Um, and yeah, it's just boys, just boy guys being dudes. Guys being dudes, boys being pals. The connection there. And I mean, they're brothers, so. Sweet. More oh. brothers. Brothers being bros. <laughs> bros, bros being bros. Bros being bros. Me brav. Um. Okay, uh, I didn't come up with anything in that time, but I would say I recommend, first of all, go watch Goodfellas, the movie, because I really think that it's a good example. It also to honor or remember or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure. I don't know if Ray Liotta has been canceled. He probably has. Mm. But go watch that because he did die in the month of June. Oh, my God. Also, it was a pretty good movie. It's a long movie, but it was good. Um, other than that, I will recommend The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. Haddon. Oh. I think I've already talked about this because I think I mentioned it on the podcast when I was reading it. Um, but it has an unreliable narrator and who is pretty set in the way that he views the world and just, you see it change over time. Um, and then one that I wouldn't recommend, but it does remind me of is of course catcher in the ride don't read catcher in the ride it was bad and that's all i have to say okay <laughs> or i also just want to tack on it reminded me a lot of the perks of being a wallflower mm-hmm. um i think that yeah there is a lot of like lots of innocence themes and like earnestness and like you know observations about the world that um 
are coming from an unreliable narrator, but are still like, you know, they still have some insight in there. Um, I would say I like Pony Boy better. <laughs> also, uh, I want to tack on one other fact about The Outsiders. Hinton okay. was 15 when she started writing the novel. Yes. However, she did most of her work, most of the work when she was 16 and was 18 when the book was published. Wow. Yeah. Wait, do you, we're just tacking stuff on. Um, yeah. It's, ha- it's happening. Okay, in mine, there was, like, a dedication. Did you have one in your copy? Uh, no. Okay. Essie Hinton um, wrote, like, a Dear Reader in this edition. Uh, I knew I was going to be a writer. I love to write. I began in grade school because I love to read and liked the idea of making stories happen the way I wanted to. By the time I was in high school, I had been practicing for years. So I was both elated and not surprised when I received my publishing contract on the wow. day I graduated from high school. Not surprised, though. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Also, I'm going to just tack one more thing on. Essie Hinton is a Leo. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. July 22nd. Four... <laughs> I say 1498. No, no, no. 1948. And I don't feel bad about saying this because you can look this up on Wikipedia, so I'm not, like, doxing anyone. And she's still tweeting. <laughs> and she's still going. Um. Anyway, so... Laura, tell me, what are you currently reading? Um, not anything. <laughs> nice. Um, I, okay, with this move, which this move took like 10 million weeks to yeah. achieve. Um, a reading's really found, it's really fallen off the shelf. <laughs> so I would say, other than the invasion, I'm really not in the middle of any books. Uh, what about you? <laughs> um... I am in the middle of the invasion. I'm in the middle of Blood on the Books or the Powell's Play, but that's because I just haven't... I picked it up two months ago and have not picked it up since. Mm, I'm mm, listening to it. The Bassoon King, My Art, Faith, and Idiocy by Rain Wilson. Um, I'm reading Screenwriting is Rewriting by Jack Epps Jr. for a class, and I'm also Ooh. reading Writing Immersive Contents by Gerard Bernasconi for another class, which... I don't know if this is going to bite me in the ass later, but I'm going to do a little rant on that book. Mm. This book is one that we have to read for class. It's only available as an ebook. And Gerard, what's his face? I don't think speaks. I don't think English is his first language. That's all fine. But like this book is not translated well. And I'm like, why am I reading this bootleg copy mm. that I had to pay like 18 bucks for for a class? So that's my little rant. It's really dumb. But I have many other rants. But I've been feeling very fiery this month. Wow, battle ready. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, uh, and what have you read since last time? Even with nothing. Yay! Yay! I okay, but I did DNF a book, as in did not finish. Tender is the flesh, um, by Agostino Bezterica. I cannot roll my R's while I'm eating. Sorry. Okay. Uh, since last time I finished listening to "Sorry Not Sorry" by N- Naya Rivera, which is about that one yeah. star who. Drowned in the ocean and left her child on the boat. Very uh-huh. sad. Um, I finished reading Noises Off by Michael Frayn. Uh, many, many years ago, I started listening to Black Leopard Red Wolf by Marvin oh, yeah. James. I finally finished it. Mm. I re-downloaded it and finished it. Didn't really enjoy it the first time. Mm. Didn't really enjoy it the second time. But I did finish <laughs> it. Now, didn't I? Um, and I read lots of reviews on it. It truly is like a really winding, very like, you go off on a lot of tangents. It's a very long book. The the audio book itself is 24 hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just the, I, there's a lot of books that I've read and I don't know what the word is, but just like very crude language. And usually that doesn't bother me, but it is just like, Mm, yeah. I don't know. I need to try reading some of these books sometimes instead of listening to it because it might tip, it might hit me different if it's not being pumped into my ear holes as they talk about like bodily fluids and but it's like the shit in my asshole like <laughs> I'm just like I don't want to listen to that. I just like... <laughs> yeah, me neither. say watching you laugh at this is really good because you're you're getting a lot of joy out of this <laughs> i am just just like i don't know how to explain it but okay 
Um, I just love that you said poop and you lost your shit. <laughs> um, oh, okay. And then I also finished listening to <laughs> Comedy, 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 Drama by Bob Odenkirk. And then I listened to <laughs> Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like it. I felt like it was a little preachy at times. Yeah, I, like, I will say, I want to just share, like... Um, that I've been watching TV a lot, too. That counts. Um, Do it. Lately, I've been watching Spy Family, the anime. And mm-hmm. I've started rewatching Gravity Falls and Avatar Last Airbender. Um, so I'm really living my best life there. <laughs> I watched the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender because I heard it was so bad. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Jackson Rathbone... Rathbone! He's in it. <laughs> Jasper Cullen is in there. Yes. I didn't oh know. Uh-huh. Also, Dev Patel. I didn't know that either. Oh, okay. Because he's Zuko. And also, why is all of the Fire Nation brown people? Yeah. And why is all of... Why is everyone else, like, white? We'd all love to know. We'd all love to know. Anyways, the end. End of book talk. Okay. So that leads us to the end of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, We really took you on a journey today. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you want to connect with us, we have an email and a Twitter. And our email is readingnotreading at gmail.com, spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. Twitter handle is at sign readnotreadpod, spelled at sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. They can't be stopped. No. Other than that, we also have a bookshop. Yeah. Affiliate link. Yeah, explain what that is. We've got a bookshop affiliate link. So normally when you shop through uh, bookshop.org, your purchases support local indie bookstores. When you use our affiliate link, you also support our podcast and help us um, pay our many, many fake assistants. (laughs) Yeah, well, our future assistants that we we accumulate enough commissions. Yeah. Anyways, um, and then finally in our episode description we also have a link to our website where you can listen to all of our back catalog and access Mm -hmm. all of our links like the bookshop uh the email and the twitter yes as well as our bonus episodes oh my gosh yes yes yeah yes our bone zone uh tune on on those because that's where we read uh animorphs the invasion but we're going to say no more about that because we try not to, you know, mix our two... Yeah, our yeah. two side hoes. <laughs> yeah, that actually is our uh, our side hoe and our main hoe. Yeah. Um, but that is all. Join us next month when we have read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I feel like this... I'm just going to tack this on right at the end. Um, I feel like Brave New World has a beaver in it. I don't know why. Wow, okay, we'll find out. Tune in next time to see if if there is a beaver in Brave New World. Bye. Bye.